You are listening to episode 97 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. <sighs> oh, hello, hosers! Long time no see! I just found your friend <laughs> rummaging through the vast wilderness of Saskatchewan, eh? Hi, guys. Oh, man. I made it. Thanks. Thanks, Wolverine. Um, guys, uh, it's been a crazy two weeks. Uh, I think I found Kale. Really? Where was he? He, he was at a Perkins in Saskatchewan. <laughs> <laughs> I can vouch for that. I, I think that was your friend Kale, eh? He, he was very old, and he liked crossword puzzles. Why didn't you bring him back too, Wolverine? <laughs> what? Well, what am I, a hero for hire? I got only two arms here, and your friend Phil's a big enough boy. Whoa! Whoa, 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 Logan. I'm only 5'6", eh? That's true. He's, I, I am almost a foot taller than him. I'm not 6'6", six, six, but hey, I'm, I'm tall. You're not even close to 6'6". I'll six, six. Uh, uh, say, this guy has a high opinion of himself. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, I'll tell you what, though. Perkins still sucks even in Saskatchewan. Whoa, you leave Saskatchewan alone, eh? That's one of our fine provinces. All right. All right. Well, thanks for dropping me off. Anytime, Ozer. Well, then. Right, bye, Wolverine. Yeah, uh, thanks for dropping Phil off, Wolverine. Just kidding. I actually would rather that you had left him in the cold depths of Saskatchewan. Yeah, I could have said to see Kale. <laughs> uh, no, leave him there too. Uh, I feel like there's a Twilight episode or Twilight Twilight Zone. A Twilight, <laughs> a Twilight Zone episode in there somewhere of Kale just being stuck in a Perkins forever. <laughs> you, you also make uh, Saskatchewan sound like purgatory. Well, yeah, the question would be: Is that heaven or purgatory for Kale? Because I think <laughs> if Kale was able to just sit at a Perkins forever and just continually be brought uh, whatever that chicken melt is that he likes again and again, and he just never, ever had to talk to anyone about the waitress, that might be heaven for him. Don't, I think that might be hell. I think it's like one of those, those uh, you know, Renaissance-like uh, life punishment things where it's like, Oh, so you like Perkins, don't you? Here, have all the Perkins you want. And Kale, easily curmudgeoned, mm, something's not right here. And then it turns out he's in hell. Well, uh, after 97 of these, I can confirm that I'm in hell. And uh, if you want to <laughs> join me, <laughs> there are many ways that you can... Uh, Live with me in my eternal torture, uh, and uh, listen to us all over the internet. Somehow, we broadcast from hell to you. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts and uh, SoundCloud and all other podcast hosting platforms, so pick your favorite and head over on there and give us a like. We are also at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold, so check us out. And uh, look at all the great content that we post. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're doing an excellent elevator pitch here, Sean. Thanks. We are... Uh, we can be written at 
thecomicspiles at gmail.com. You can hit us up with a random question of the week, a buy or sell, or commentary on any episode of the show. And last but not least, we're on YouTube, where you can leave us a comment, hit us with a like, share this video with your friends, and subscribe to our channel. It is free to do, and it uh, helps us out a lot more than it costs you, so make sure to hit that subscribe button, and of course the notification button, so you're actually aware of when we post new content, because you would not want to miss that. So, we've got quite the show planned here for you guys. Very excited to have Phil back on. Oh man, I'm looking at that speedometer right now and the ratings are going off the charts. We're going to get pulled over real soon. <laughs> yeah, apparently people dig hell. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> known. Believe me, I was in Saskatchewan for two weeks, freezing my ass off. If there's one thing I can say about the fine people of Canada, they love hell. <laughs> <laughs> this is the number one Satanist comic book podcast on the web. <laughs> And that's saying something, because a lot of them are that. <laughs> uh, so, I'd like to start the show with a question that I happen to have for you guys. Well, oh. we can skim over any of the you know, little details pertaining to what the question might be, right? Can we? I'm sorry, Phil. What, what details are you talking about? Uh, what kind of question it is? Oh, so you mean you don't want to tell everybody that it's the random question of the week? Yes. Is that, is that what you meant? That is what I meant. <clears throat> oh, well. I am in hell. Like <clears throat> Sisyphus, I am bound. <laughs> All right. So, we've we've talked a lot about the controversy surrounding Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and the fact that it is... Um, now in in uh you know it's been stalled production wise so what does this mean right 2020 is when it's supposed to release it would have begun shooting uh you know shortly within a, a couple of months and um that's not going to happen so let's assume that the movie is going to miss it's 2020 release. Marvel locks itself into three films per year. It has that date squared away. Uh, and I'm sure that they're not going to want to not release three films per year just because of this. So the question is, what movie would you like to see replace Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in 2020? Uh, for me, it's a no-brainer. I want to see a Dan Dick Ryder movie. I want to see Nova hit the big screen at last. When you think Guardians of the Galaxy, folks, you think not just that team, but you think of Nova as well. There's been a huge outcry of folks the last six years saying, where's my Nova? Where's my Nova? Uh, in light of this news, I think it's a good time to kind of transition into um, the 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 spiritual and figurative side piece that is Dick Ryder. Um, I could call him Richard. No, I could call him Richard Ryder. I can call him Richie Rich Ryder. Not Dick Ryder. They knew what they were doing. Um, that Abner and Landing run from 2006 that ran about 40 issues or something. It's really good. 
lot of rich uh, material there, and you could beat them before they do like a a decent Hal Jordan movie and doing their own kind of Novacore movie. Um, that's the way I would go. Put all those eggs of a Guardians movie into a Nova movie. And you can still tell your, you know, uh, Adam Warlock story and stuff. You can have it take place in the same playground. Yeah. How would you get around the whole uh, Nova Corp situation? Uh, maybe that's how it starts. Um, in Annihilation, uh, which obviously they can't use the book, but in Annihilation, uh, the big coming-of-age moment was the very beginning of that story. Spoilers for people who haven't read a 13-year-old comic book. Um, is He wakes up to all the Nova Corps uh, dying and being murdered. That's how you start the movie. And that is what happened. That's so. what, what happened in the movies. That's what happened in the book. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Uh, <clears throat> how about you, Pete and Bessie? What would you like to say? <clears throat> uh, so, the first thing that came to mind for me... Um, is, is a similar thing of just like, okay, so we want to replace the Guardians, right, uh, in that slot. So I, I think it ideally would be something cosmic and something that has um, a, a good amount of room for humor. So uh, my thought was Howard the Duck. Uh, we already have met Howard the Duck in this universe. Um, he has a bankable star voicing him in uh, Seth Green. And uh, yeah, I feel like you could totally do like a solid comedy that's like like low on the action and like not a huge budget and uh you know fill that slot sean what do you think of that i'm pained by that (laughs) (laughs) that is the the marvel movie that if they were to release i would not go see yo if you made us go see justice league you're gonna go see howard the duck no Justice League was an important movie. A Howard the Duck film is a waste of time. Yeah, I guess I guess the difference here, Pete, as far as those goes, is Howard the Duck is waiting at the train station and seeing the train and thinking, you know what, I'll take the next one. Justice League is when you get on the train knowing that there's a big brick wall coming and that sweet release is on its way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't know, man. I, I I feel like it would be good. I feel like there's a lot of room there to do something that's fun pitch and me, funny. Pitch me a Howard the Duck movie right now. I mean, honestly, like, I like if it was in, when's it? 2020, yeah. right? Yeah. Selection year, dude. Why don't we do the election storyline? Howard the Duck comes to Earth and runs for president. Like, let's fucking go. <laughs> I think that would be hilarious. It would be topical. Like, there's so much you could do there. Yeah, as if Americans don't get angry about talking about politics right now. Yeah, so who better to walk us through it than a duck who has a drinking problem and smokes cigars? <laughs> no. Uh, I I don't want that. And I really hope that Marvel isn't listening to this. Um, well, if, if if they get the rights from Fox, they could always do the appropriate Canadian Wolverine story. The appropriate Canadian Wolverine story? <laughs> yeah, it's about how Wolverine wins the independence of Canada. 
<laughs> oh, horses! We have a Yet thing again. down every province, eh? That is, that is a pass. Uh, so this one is, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of tough. Um, I think, I think my answer is going to be pretty pedestrian, to be honest, but I really want Doctor Strange 2. Uh. In that slot? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't necessarily feel like we need to fill that slot with something cosmic per se. Uh, I, I I guess for the sake of giving us something cosmic that year, you know, that would make sense. But um, I just really want to go back into Doctor Strange's world. Uh, I'm really high on him after Infinity War, and I just want more. They left the Mordo storyline dangling, so that's going to be interesting. And uh, I just really think there's a lot more to do. Uh, it's a little, it's a little unfortunate that basically the next villain that he's slated to face is his mirror. You know, uh, granted, Mordo is different, but it's still uh, I'm a good magician versus I'm a bad magician. You know, or magician, magic wielder, whatever you want to say. I, Sorcerer. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. I would like to see um, Blackheart or Mephisto invoked by be cool. Mordo. Oh, that'd be awesome. And have, yeah, have Doctor Strange have to combat that and go into the demonic element of the MCU. What if, I don't know. Yeah, I think you could, I think you could play that, play with that a little more creatively. I don't think you need to do like a, and now I'm facing the evil magician. Like, what if you... You could stage that out so they're on opposite sides of the same fence with a different conflict again. In this case, something like Mephisto or Blackheart. Yeah, they, they could absolutely make that work. And I trust where Marvel is now that they wouldn't, they probably wouldn't just give us that bland kind of, you know, good versus evil magic wielder storyline. Yeah. Because, like, you even, you look at Black Panther, and, like, that was very much, they, like, they had the same powers, in the end it was a Black Panther versus an evil Black Panther, but the story was good, and the acting was good, and, like, the, the conflict that they had built up that was there emotionally made it so I didn't really care that that was, you know, essentially the same thing we've seen again and again, and, and criticized them for. Is, is Blackheart owned by Marvel right now? Um, because he was the antagonist of that first uh, Ghost Rider film played by Peter Fonda, opposite of Nicolas Cage. Well, they they actually have the Ghost Rider rights back. Okay. So. Oh right, oh, right, yeah, yeah. He was in that. They put um, him in uh, Shield. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was there with uh, Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. <laughs> yep. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, he's so wearing, yeah, he's wearing a tactical vest. <laughs> black heart could you imagine <laughs> oh jeez well, that's good uh doing the show from hell obviously we were very entertained by jokes about demons wearing tactical vests <laughs> uh, yes <laughs> i'm still entertained by it this yeah is, 
So let's get out of this hellhole and instead do (laughs) do our pals pulls for the week. Hellhole pal pull. (laughs) I like it. They Uh, still serve comics in hell? Absolutely. That's where they're made. They burn up. (laughs) What kind of comics can you get in hell? Hmm. Howard Chaykin books exclusively. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to go there. I was going to say the entire Uh, Riverdale book line. (laughs) See, no, that sounds great. (laughs) Pete, we all know you're going to hell. The only comic you can read in hell is Holy Terror. (laughs) By, uh... <laughs> oh god, uh Frank Miller. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Frank Miller. <laughs> oh, that, that book celebrates uh, the urge of wanting to kill people because of their skin color. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something that belongs in hell. Way to go, Frank. <laughs> Just like us. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> God. Uh this I, week I don't, I don't what is, I, I take exception with that being the thing that you say is just like us. <laughs> Something that belongs in hell. Sure, yeah. but I mean, like, well. <laughs> Listen, all I'm doing now is picturing Kane wearing a tactical vest. He's the devil's favorite Why? demon. <laughs> I think that's you. I'm definitely uh, not the favorite. Probably not. You're the most tortured. Thank you. That's how our that's how our audience relates to me. Oh God, <laughs> Christ Savior! Uh, so now where you're at. I'm gonna do the palace pulls now. Well, yeah, sure, true. Uh, Phil chose Batman by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Omnibus. Yeah, man. Um, that collaboration uh, is some of the best damn storytelling there is in this medium. In Jeff Loeb always really benefits from having that kind of free form playground to play in, and you know I think I think if I were to try to get someone into Batman, I would drop this thick one hundred dollar omnibus on them and be like, "Here you go," and I'm sure they wouldn't be intimidated by that because there's nothing intimidated by having to read three massive stories. Um, so you have the I'm not even looking at it. So we have the Long Halloween, we have um, Dark Victory, and what's the third one that he did with uh, with uh, uh, with with Tim Sale? Oh God! Um, why am I? Was was it? Is, am I, I might be completely wrong. Was it Haunted Night? Ooh, that sounds good. That sounds like a their type of title. Um, let's. I'm looking it up, but I think it could be that it also has oh it also has their catwoman book they did oh so maybe it's that one yeah maybe i never read that one but um i don't know what does it say uh long halloween dark victory are really good mystery stories too which batman really lends himself to uh you can you can tell that the three of us are big fans of when batman does mystery because we just did a book club called batman gothic which is a great mystery story so you can go listen to that but yeah, I don't know. It's 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 one of those staples in the Batman literature, I'd say, in the bibliography. Yeah, Haunted Night is uh, Loeb and Sale. There you go. So, it's probably that. It's probably that. Uh, and then you also chose Moon Knight by Jeff Lemire and Greg Smallwood. 
you know that's a really good book that is like the spiritual successor to the warren ellis run that was put out in 2015 i want to say it's this kind mm-hmm. of anthology run on moon knight where there's kind of a loose overarching plot but every kind of issue is different and it really lends itself to that serialized format the art's absolutely gorgeous and moon knight as a character i think really lends itself to like minimalist colors just because of that black and white uh color palette um it's that it's just got that really good gritty noir kind of thing um and Lemire hits it out of the park. It's one of the. I mean, he's been he's been really good in general the last handful of years, um, and I think this is one of his benchmark kind of pieces here. So if you haven't read Lemire's Moon Knight, having it in a hardcover uh, form is really that's a good way to have it. I'd say. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed in myself that I didn't read this. Oh, you'd love it because yeah, I've heard a lot of great things. I think. I tried at the very beginning and coming off the heels of, um, oh my God, of, uh, you just said his oh, name. Warren I don't Ellis. know what's going on with me this morning. Yeah, Warren Ellis, Jesus. Uh, coming off the heels of the Warren Ellis run, which I didn't love as much as everybody else did, I think that um, I just was over it. There's only like 13 issues, I think. Yeah, but I just. I buy a lot of comics, and if I get o- if I'm over something, yeah. I just drop I it. I understand. I try not to belabor things because I've I've been there. When I had to read books that sucked, it was really rough. Uh, Shout outs to New Avengers by Al Ewing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I you were gonna name drop a book on our book club that you didn't like. No, no, no. This was a book I had to review many years ago. And uh, I begged to not have to. Um, so Pete chose Snot Girl number 11. Yes, I did. And speaking of book clubs that we did that were great, go check out our Snot Girl book club. Uh, Snot Girl is um, it's done by uh, Brian Lee O'Malley, who you probably know for, uh, you know, his breakout success of Scott Pilgrim. Uh, but this is his current ongoing with art done by uh, Miss Leslie Hung. They are a fantastic team. Um, Marco and I both really enjoy the book. It's um, one of our, you know, current favorites. And uh, I'm really excited for it to be back. It's been on break for, I think it's been like, it's been either like three or six months. I can never remember how long their breaks are, but they're they're like a, at least a quarter every time. Um, so it, it always like feels like it's been a really long time since I've read it when it comes back. So I'm very excited to pick up 11 this week. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's been over three months, I want to say, right? I mean, Um, yeah, I I think it's been six because when we did our book club, it had ended, I want to say like two months earlier. So it's like, it's been, it's been a bit. It's been a few months. It's a Red Sox girl. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait, guys. Can't wait. I might even I might even pick this up. Yes. Wow. There you we go. Did it. There's a chance. There's we did chance. it, guys. We did it. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> As for me, uh, I chose Batman Fifty Four. I I was a little down on uh, Tom Tom King's Batman run for a little while there, but yeah, uh, you didn't like the wedding arc. No, I didn't. But post wedding. It's gotten a lot better. We did talk about some of the controversy surrounding the book last week on the show. 
Uh, but that aside, because I think that was ridiculous, um, <laughs> it is, it is, it's been very, very excellent. So I'm looking forward to what comes of this issue, uh, especially because Matt Wagner is on art for this one. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see what we get this time around. Cool. Um, yeah. How many? How many uh, issues? Is he going to a hundred or something? I think I feel like he came out and said what he wanted to do. He's going to a hundred. Yeah. Okay. So he's ha- he's a little over halfway through his run. Yeah, and uh, it feels like it. Yeah, it definitely feels like it. What I won't what I won't say about this book is that it's not fast paced. Yeah, he takes his time. Yeah, it's it's not fast paced, which is okay. But it feels like I've been reading this for a long time. So, guys, Sean's pissed. Who said that? Oh man, <laughs> guys, I can't stop him when he's like this. Oh god, <laughs> that's why I'm in hell. He's on the soapbox, folks. I couldn't control he's my pissed. Anger. I'm not on my soapbox <laughs> yet, but wait till we get a little deep into the news. All right. Speaking of the news, let's jump right into it. Uh, Alec Baldwin. Join the cast of the Joker film. And then he exited the cast of the Joker film. Well, easy come, easy go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right? Like, <laughs> okay. It was announced, and it was announced on the 28th, and then that he was joining, and then announced that he was leaving on the 29th. So, you know. Uh... <laughs> It's it's actually kind of. I guess the joke was on him. Oh god! Batman loses another dad. <laughs> he was he was rumored to play uh, as Pete alluded to quite uh, quite well. He was rumored to play Thomas Wayne, uh, and Baldwin said that he had some scheduling issues that were going to keep him from doing the film. Although anyone who understands even remotely the way that Hollywood works. If he was announced to do the movie, there were no scheduling conflicts. That's not possible. Um, he, he said, I'm sure there are 25 guys who can play that part. Which is a very nice thing to say about a movie that you were just about to be in. Not just that, but it makes you seem like you're not that valuable. <laughs> right. Yeah, right? Like... <laughs> Anybody can do it. <laughs> he he did tweet, uh, let me state for the record that I have not been hired to play a role in Todd Phillips' Joker as some Donald Trump met manky. I don't know what that word means. Um, that's a Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> manky. I think that's like a New York word, isn't it? Like a... <laughs> Can you just imagine Donald Trump as a manky? Like, it's just Donald Trump, but with, like, a little big it, nose? Oh, God. I mean, if, if the shoe fits, folks. It could be mankey. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, but anyway, he said, that is not happening. Not happening. All right. Yeah. Wrong. I mean, this, the, the you know, this whole thing, I just, I don't really care about this movie. You know, like... It's when when this news came out, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I like Alec Baldwin, but I'm not I don't I'm not in love with Alec Baldwin. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Phil. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, it's just like, he's great, but I this movie's whole setup and premise and everything is something I'm not sold on. And then I'm even less sold on the idea of Thomas, like, okay, what if Thomas Wayne was Donald Trump? And it's like, ah, like, I don't, I don't know, guys. Like, it's... It's just the more we hear about this movie, the the crazier it sounds to me. And and this just felt like another crazy wrinkle. And it's like, I don't know, could be good. And then it's him leaving. I don't really have any stake in this movie. And he wasn't announced as it long enough for it to be like, oh, what a loss. You know, like it's. Wait, does this movie not put a smile on your face? <laughs> we'll have to see, Phil. That's right. It could be good. Um, Hey, listen, I don't give a shit about Alec Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, neither do I. He, he, the, I remember that story from like three years ago where he got pulled over for riding a bike by the police or some shit at like three in the morning in New York. Wow. Well, I thought I was thought, and he was like really angry and yelling profanities or some shit. Because I also don't care about Alec Baldwin, and I also don't care about this movie. Instead, I will share my favorite Alec Baldwin story. Yes, okay, I like this. <laughs> I like this activity. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, most people probably know it already, but there is a an audio recording of him leaving a voicemail for his daughter <laughs> in which he very angrily uh, calls her a rude, thoughtless little pig for, for not <laughs> answering the phone when he called because... She was living with her mother, and he bought her the phone, and she had goddamn better answer it when he dials her. Uh, and he was very, very angry that she didn't answer her phone. <laughs> he called her a pig. He called her a rude, thoughtless <laughs> little pig. I will never forget that for the rest of my life. In fact, <laughs> so that happened when I was like uh, maybe thirteen years old. So, and I didn't really know who he was. So. When he suddenly became this guy that people really like, I was like, wait, isn't this the same guy who <laughs> completely shit on his daughter when she was 10? Like, his daughter's my age. Yo. Why is this cool? <laughs> Yo, dude, you don't know. I guess she was a rude, thoughtless little pig, and people were like, that bitch deserved it. Yeah, oh baby. my <laughs> Remember how I said we belonged in hell? <laughs> Pete just what? proved why. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. You, you never met a 10 year old that you wanted to punch in the face. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's his daughter. Well, let's get her on the show. Oh my god. We would not be able to get her on the show. She is a gorgeous supermodel now. Yeah, it was one of my. <laughs> <laughs> Your daddy's little monster. Hell yeah, bitch. <laughs> We're all damaged here. So she, let's bring her on. <laughs> you little piglet. <laughs> this is not the kind of thing I ever thought we'd be doing here, but hey. Oh my god. 90 episodes in, you gotta get creative. I guess so. Oh. Well, listen, 25 other people could do what we do, right? 
I just want to make it clear. I have not been hired to play a Donald Trump who punches 10-year-olds in the face. I have not been hired to do that. Well, listen. Not happening. uh, Listen, Pete. You, you, you can defend yourself all you want. Everyone knows it's not true. Um, he always plays Donald Trump on Saturday Night Live, and I did not give a fuck about that impression. Yeah, me neither. I think it's lame, honestly. Yeah, I think it's lame, too. <laughs> you guys' hot takes are hot. Yeah. Well, listen, what do you get off saying that? You just talked about punching 10-year-olds in the face. that's a good point look i never said i would do it i said that i have thought about doing it okay (laughs) like that's god that's awful i've never in my life thought about punching a a child in the face listen i don't know if you've spent time around enough children then i am a lover of children like children (laughs) are the best listen guy fieri with your colorful hair all you need is a nice flame shirt on Pete and those hot takes will be justified you know what I'm going to Flavortown later so um, give me all the give me all the hate you want I'm sick of your euphemisms we are in hell you're, you're exactly right so it wouldn't be a DC news block without a little bat flick watch and sadly it's possible that this may be the last time we have anything to say about Ben Affleck as it relates to Batman. You set up this cliffhanger. You set up this cliffhanger, Sean. We all know it's not true. <laughs> the story will never die. You might be right. Now, uh, in a sad turn of events, uh, Ben Affleck recently went into rehab uh, because he does have a uh, an alcohol problem that he's had for many years. It's, it's not a, you know, it's not a secret. He fell off the wagon. He had been on the wagon for a while. And according to TMZ, uh, things have gotten progressively worse. So there was an intervention staged by Jennifer Garner and he entered rehab. Now, the problem is, and how this could how this relates to his potential exit from the DC universe, is that because he was in rehab, the insurance cost for having him be involved with the project will go through the roof. Uh, according to an undisclosed representative for a bond company. Uh, more than likely, the studio will replace him because the insurance costs are going to go through the roof. An attorney, an attorney who uh, specializes in insurance, said that Affleck would be bondable, but the deductible would be really high, probably the budget of the film. So what they're talking about? Wow! Is, yeah, <laughs> I want to work for one of those insurance companies. <laughs> Why? Get <laughs> that Affleck money. uh basically they need to they need to put up some cash just in case anything goes wrong uh and normally it's you know a, a, a sizable amount um but not anywhere in the ballpark of what it would be if they were to use ben right now according to this bond company source they told the rap that insurers could demand half of the film's budget 
to be set aside in escrow as a deductible. Holy uh, shit. So Justice League was a $300 million project. Toilet granted, paper. Yeah. Uh, granted, the next Batman movie probably won't be a $300 million film, but Justice League 2 could easily uh, skyrocket above that. So if the budget for the movie is, let's say, the budget for Batman vs. Superman, which was $250 million, Half of that is 125 million just to have this guy on the set. That's not even to pay his check. So this could be the end. Classic Hollywood diva. <laughs> Imagine if that was the real take. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's the real take. Guys, listeners, let me grab your ear for just a moment. Can we not have sympathy? For a man playing another man whose parents died when he was a small child, I ask of you, lend lend Mr. Affleck your sympathy, please. No. (laughs) You know, uh, yeah, I I like, this story is another one where I just, I, I just don't care anymore. You know, like, obviously, it's it's sad that Ben Affleck has alcohol problems and everything, um, but it's like, if this is what finally gets him out the door, like, I'm fine with that. You know, like, it, it, the whole back and forth of will he, won't he is just like, it's it, like, it started out as, you know, kind of weird, then it became a joke, now it's just like, it, it's, uh... It's got, it's got. What, what do you guys call it in the wrestling energy? Uh, a go away, uh, go away heat, or what is it? Yeah, you got it, baby. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at with this. Is like, I'm I'm ready for this to be done, and like, it sucks if this isn't what they want and their hands being forced. But at the same time, like, like let's just get somebody new in there and and like you know put a period on this chapter of the Batman franchise. Listen, I'm getting real exhausted real quick. I'm already boycotting DC for Zack Snyder being canned. I'm never going to see another movie ever again unless they bring out his version of Justice League, which I know is going to be as good a passion as the Passion of the Christ um, and similar to. Um, And now I have to now I have to do this and wait for uh, Batflick to come back. God, my life's going to get real frustrating, real stressful, real fast. Well, given that you're spending the rest of your days in hell, you've got a lot of time to wait. Thank you for bringing up Justice League and the Snyder Cut, because you are not the only person who is waiting for this uh, release. The alleged release, because we don't even know if this thing's real. But uh, the DC Universe which is the name of the streaming service for DC Comics, uh, recently put out a DC Live chat. And um, in the chat, everybody was clamoring for the Snyder Cut. Uh, The chat was flooded with people using the hashtag release the Snyder Cut, uh, trying to get attention from people at DC including Kevin Smith, who was actually the host of the live stream video. Um, and uh, they, they they wanted uh, their Snyder Cut. So we got some great takes from these people, uh, including from Grobar Jug, 
who <laughs> simply said, hashtag release the Snyder Cut. That's the name of a person in hell. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a demon. That <laughs> might be a demon. Uh, Peter Muller said, come on, Kevin, hashtag release the Snyder Cut. You want it too. T-O-O. Um, Don't trust anyone named Peter. I agree. Uh, Lulz Gabriel Thon just said Brazil in all caps. So <laughs> hell yeah, go Brazil, dude! Not sure what they were trying to get across there. Uh, They're so salty over the World Cup. Tylia Manning said, "Snyder fans, please shut up. I like Snyder too, but y'all are getting annoying." To which Sully Manji replied, "Don't understand why some people want to suppress others." From their support of releasing a director's complete movie. What what's the point and what was spelled W A T S What? What's the point what? of putting people down when it doesn't affect you? Hashtag release the Snyder Cut. <clears throat> uh, Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill, whatever, said I don't know if a Snyder Cut actually exists, so the only way I can look at it is as a business model, and I don't know what difference it's going to make. There are stories to be told which need to be told and adjustments that can be made, but that's not going to make any difference. So, obviously, Henry is on the right side of history (laughs) in the sense that he doesn't care if there's a Snyder Cut. He recognizes that it won't change a thing. However... Uh, storyboard artist Jay Olivia, who worked on the film, said, Yep, it does exist. If it doesn't, then what did Zack scream to execs prior to Whedon? If you don't care for it, then step aside, because you're just parroting what the bloggers are saying without any real knowledge or insight. So, the way these guys are talking, they make themselves sound like the most oppressed minority group in the world <laughs> and, and <laughs> like martyrs well we know that can't be true because comic skaters are the most suppressed minority group in the world yeah that, good point <laughs> so uh, I, I feel like Sean that there might be a little bit of an overlap there uh, a bit of a Venn diagram if you will I buy it yeah uh, do you guys care? Do you want the Snyder Cut or what? I'm so th- thirsty for it. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't... Th- nothing short of giving me a substantial amount of money would make me watch it. That's not like, true. I, we could we could twist your arm and make you watch it. You don't need money. I, yeah, you're right. If we made a video about it, I'd probably do it. But either way... <laughs> Uh, I know I could not be less interested in in the Snyder cut. Um, I don't think Zack Snyder is a particularly good director. Uh, I've made that very clear. Uh, and you know, I think personally, anyway, most of the stuff that I that worked for me in Justice League was I didn't think was probably from his hand. And uh, I, you know, the movie wasn't good enough to want to watch it a second time. So. You know, really, no, no, I, no, no, thanks. I want two hours of characters scowling at each other and not liking each other and being unlikable in general. I want more of that. Where else am I going to get that? Thanks, Warner Brothers. 
I, at this point, I've got a morbid curiosity about this Snyder Cut. Uh, I feel like it. this guy, uh, Jay Olivia, is probably right in that there is a version of the movie that does not include uh, Joss Whedon's scenes. That doesn't mean it's good. It probably isn't good. If executives thought it was a piece of garbage, then there's no real reason for anybody to see that or want to see that. But at this point, why not? If it exists, whatever. I mean, it wouldn't be a good move on Warner Brothers' part at all in the sense that if it's bad and you know it's bad, why would you put it out? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So I completely understand why this thing will never get out. And, and even if it's that. good, then, like, you just embarrass yourself, right? Like, if it comes out and everybody loves it, it's like, why didn't you put out this version? Well, like, a it's, a lose, it's a lose-lose. That's definitely what the Zack Snyder fanboys are looking for. Is for Warner Brothers to lose? Yeah, they, well, they'll be like, see, see? you put out the uh, inferior film. Right. Vindication is spelled S-N-Y-D-E-R. Bitch. I really wish you would have misspelled that. <laughs> Shut up. You're right. <laughs> R-E. <laughs> but at this point, I, I, I will admit that I do have a strange curiosity about what the Snyder Cut could have been. Uh, it would cost money to put that out in the sense that the CG is probably not done. Um there are probably reshoots that would have been required and stuff. It's just not going to happen. It's too messy. If you honestly believe that there's a chance that your uh, kvetching about a Snyder Cut will ever result in it being released, you're crazy. But it's kind of fun to watch this, honestly. These people are, are wild. This is the most insane, entitled-ass fan base there is. Yeah, I like... There was a... Uh this guy who I went to high school with that I remember I, I was, he would like anytime I posted about these movies at all would just start a like f- like a fight with every single person about how they didn't understand the DC films. You remember this guy, Sean? Oh god, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got into it with him once or twice uh, and he's just a fucking, you know, it's like there's, they're like just into this mass delusion that these films are like you said earlier, Phil. Like, like they're like on the level of Citizen Kane, and that if you don't like them, it's because you don't you don't get them, or because oh, well, you just like Marvel's happy, upbeat bullshit, and I like dark, real, gritty superhero stories, and it's like okay, like that that like leave your hot ass takes back in nineteen eighty five. Like it's come on. Like, the, these are not good. Something being dark and gritty doesn't make it good. Doesn't make it smart. And, like, you know, like, it's, you're it's, just... It's not that. I've, I've, I've had this conversation with a lot of the Zack Snyder fans before, and they always say things like, you just don't understand film kino like I do. Zack Snyder is one of the most ambitious directors of the last 20 years. He was an art student, so he understands the medium. When you watch a film like Man of Steel or Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, you see the complex nuances of characters inspired by not only Christian ideology and theology, but classic Roman Greco mythology. These are characters passed down from generation to generation 
as Zack Snyder attempts to weave his own mythology that will hold up in the, in the context of the 21st century. You can see... Oh, oh I, I'm, I'm assuming you missed it, ignorant viewer. There is a very subtle <laughs> hint of Plato's allegory of the cave. Very subtle indeed, Mr. Snyder. And it's just like, shut the fuck up, motherfucker. You can say all these things you want about the intent of the film, but it ain't there. It's a bad yeah. movie. In- intent does not equate execution. You know, it's yeah. like... And I, I remember getting in that argument with people about, and Sean, I know you like this film, but uh, with like Dark Knight Rises, where people would be like, oh, like, it's it, it, it's it's an allegory to Tale of Two Cities. And I'm like, okay, but that doesn't, that like, just because there's a smart intent behind a film or, or whatever, like, word salad you want to throw together to make it sound like, oh, well, it's good, you just don't understand it. It's like, no, like, if, if, if it's poorly executed, it's poorly executed, and all the good intent in the world doesn't make it better. I don't want to hear Sean will, repeat that. I won't take your bait. I'm gonna I'm gonna reject that and I'm gonna pivot. Uh, because I don't feel like arguing about the Dark Knight Rises right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I do have a way I wanna punctuate that on the Snyder thing though. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a uh, review channel I've liked for the last five years called Red Letter Media. And Jay Bauman had a tweet that's not just about <clears throat> these Snyder fans, but like a lot of like fan culture in general. It said, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Let the media you enjoy enhance your life, not define it. And for me, it feels like the Snyder fans are letting Zack Snyder films define their lives and not enhance them. Yeah, it, it's gotten it's gotten to a weird place where it's kind of like, you know, this is supposed to be entertainment and, you know, we're all just supposed to be having a good time with this stuff. And uh, there's just a lot of effort being put into something that, you know, it would not be worth it, even if they even if they did kowtow and release the Snyder Cut. At the end of the day, look at what you just wasted your life being involved with. Like this is the this is the cause you've dedicated yourself to, right? Come there's, on. there's a good scene from The Simpsons. It was one of the Halloween specials where the apocalypse is about to happen, and you just see comic book guy walking down the street saying, "Aquaman, you can't marry a woman with no gills. You're from two different worlds." And upon the realization that the apocalypse is about to happen, he goes, "Oh, I wasted my life." Uh, that's exactly what i said right before i ended up in hell (laughs) (laughs) so before we jump off the subject of the dc universe streaming service we did get an announcement uh through the live stream that we were just talking about that it, it it has a release date, and that release date is actually right around the corner because uh, if you would like to check out the DC streaming service, you can do so on September 15th. Oh, wow, right around the corner. Yeah, the subscription will be $8 a month or $75 per year. And if you pre-ordered it like Marco did, you will get three months free. So that's pretty cool. Uh, it's gonna launch 
on iOS, Android, Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, Android TV, and web and mobile versions. Uh, Distinctly absent from that list are gaming consoles. Uh, They said in an interview with Polygon that it would not be available on gaming consoles until later on uh, in 2019. So That's kind of fucked up. That that's, a mis- that's a mistake. Yeah, it's a mistake. That's uh, like how so many uh, millennials and Generation Z kids fucking watch their entertainment is through you know the Xbox One or the PS4. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, there are more people who know what a PS4 is than a Roku. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, I just think in general, like to to the point Phil just made, that's where most of their audience exists Mm -hmm. is, you know, from the Gen X to Gen Z, you know, uh, demographic. And most of those people have a gaming console as their primary, like, media device, you know? Um, And, like, maybe you have a smart TV. Like, I just got my first smart TV. But, you know, I think that the number of people in our demographic that have that technology over... An Xbox or a PlayStation is a hell of a lot less. And uh, to have that huge of a segment of your audience um, not able to access your thing at launch is is not smart. And especially when we've already kind of dinged them in the past for saying this feels a little rushed. Like it feels like this is a thing that they should be waiting to make sure that they have as many movie and tv rights as they can physically get and wait until a couple of these shows are done like get more comics on it like all of that stuff is stuff they could be doing now while they figure out the tech and get it ready to launch in 2019 there's no reason to rush to market with this and like having it come out and be exactly what people want it to be you know at launch is the best thing you can do to make something succeed and it now they're gonna have you know, at least my prediction is that they're going to have a muddled narrative of this thing's going to come out and it's not really going to do much and people are going to think it's a flop and then they're going to have an uphill battle to sell us on it. Guys, li- viewers and li- listeners at home, I just want to comment on our video game reporter correspondent over here, Pete and Bessie's tone change. You know, it's all piss fart piss talking about the dc universe and Zack snyder but then as soon as sean mentions that this is not going to port on the major gaming consoles pete became very somber and serious he's like this (laughs) is a fucking outrage (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's dumb it doesn't make any sense i think you're right pete they should have taken their time with it in addition to that there's still nothing on this that makes me want to get it so not for eight dollars a month. Well, like no. Well, let me just, let, let me just, let me also add another wrinkle before you go on, yeah. Phil. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also know when Titans will be releasing and the format through which they will release it. It will begin release Friday, October twelfth. So almost a month after this whole thing launches, and it will be twelve episodes premiering weekly. So not even binge watchable. <laughs> oh boy <laughs> I guess I guess to them that's a way of making people stay around but that's banking on the quality of a thing that I don't think looks very good listeners yep um 
But everything I would want to watch, because I assume they'll have this big back library. Fuck, I already own a lot of that shit on DVD. Yeah, the Adventures of Superman with George Lee, uh, Reeves and Phyllis Coates and Noah Neal. Own that shit. The entire DC animated universe. All four seasons of Batman animated series. Three seasons of Superman animated series. Three seasons of Batman Beyond. Two seasons of Justice League and two seasons of Justice League Unlimited. Own that shit too. What do you got for me? The Superman movie from 1978? Got it. Superman 1982 with uh, uh, General Zod? I got that shit too. Phil, I just have one question for you. Yo, what's up? What's a DVD? <laughs> oh, dear. Dear son. <laughs> Let me take you back to the distant past of the year 2000. With hot movies like The Matrix and X-Men. Simpler time. Listen, as long as my PS4 can play DVDs, I'm not upset. There's that word again, DVD. Uh, so moving right along, and in in more technology news that is completely baffling, Diamond has pushed back the Pullbox app functionality uh, to October. So we talked about the Pullbox. A few months ago, which was going to be uh, Diamond's web-based app where comic book customers would be able to place orders and set up subscriptions with their local retailers. um, And Diamond would facilitate that relationship seamlessly online. They did have beta testing in May and they were planning to release in July. And that July uh, date has come and gone, of course, and uh, there was no word. So the company now wants to do another round of beta testing, which would begin in September with a quote-unquote phased rollout to the public beginning in October. So uh, according to Dan Manser, the director of marketing over at Diamond, who spoke to Newsarama, he says, Just like any piece of software as a service and development, as you go through the process, you come across a new feature set you want to add. We encountered a lot of that with our development of Pullbox, as there were additional things we wanted to give retailers and customers. We are on target to start beta testing with retailers in September. We think our initial beta testers will be pleased with the service, and we currently plan for a phased rollout for the following months of the year. So... One of the additions that they're going to be making that wasn't available before, quote from uh, from Andy Mueller, who is the uh, consumer consumer marketing manager at Diamond, he says the new item search is a key first step towards our upcoming previews world pullbox service. In Didn't the future, have keyword search. <laughs> In the future, you will be able to search for what you're looking for and then place an order with your local comic shop right from the search results page. I'm sorry. If if that is the level of feature that we're pushing back to add, what exactly did this look like before? If keyword search is a is a is a touted feature we're discussing in 2018 it, it sounds like when ea or 2k releases a new sports game and it's like we're introducing this feature we took away two years ago <laughs> they literally do that all the time yeah 
<laughs> Introducing for the first time ever, you can play as a basketball player. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, I was going to say, this seems more to me like if I were to go to a restaurant and they were like, oh, we're introducing a new feature. It's called Tables. <laughs> right. Like, McDonald's will, will periodically take away chicken selects and then bring them back and be like, oh, this thing, you know? And then they add a new word. Like, now they're called buttermilk chicken tenders. Before they were called chicken selects, it's the same thing. It's like it's like they gave you an option to get a Big Mac and they're like, hmm, how do you want that, sir? Medium rare? <laughs> <laughs> this is insanity i i just you know we when we first talked about this we talked about the fact that they were way behind the curve with even releasing this um let alone some of the features and now to hear this that this is something that they need to talk about a, a search option are they developing this in 1998? Like, right. Like, what What timeline, what, what year are we in here? We're pleased to announce here at Diamond that we're announcing our first ever team up with GeoCities. <laughs> <laughs> we have, uh, we're bringing keyword search to our new application powered by Ask Jeeves. <laughs> <laughs> we got the inspiration by going on Google. <laughs> I mean, what a novel concept that people would be able to, people would want to search for. Like, let me reread this. I, I'm just having a blast. Yeah, 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 In the yeah. future, you will be able to search for what you're looking for. <laughs> I want to. I want to be in that boardroom where the guy says to the boss. Boss, I have a great idea. What if you could keyword search the things you're looking for? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down. You're going way too fast for me. What? How much how much do you want to bet like the PR guy is like just some like young intern or something like that who was just like, I have to sell this as a feature. I have to oh. sell the ability to search. Right. Every single comic book being released in alphabetical order and be like, yup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh my god. I just it's just unbelievable. But again, October, if you're really looking forward to this thing, um I'll tell you what. Uh this this announcement. If you had any enthusiasm for this and you still have enthusiasm for this, please write in because I, I want you to explain it to me. I'm di- yeah, I'm I'm dying to hear what is compelling you to be excited about this. Hello, dear consumers. We here at the automobile industry are pleased to announce the rollout of a brand new invention that will revolutionize the car. The wheel. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, so Dear shifting, God, shifting gears. Ha <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh God! This is definitely the hell episode. Um, CB Sabolski, aka. Akira Yoshida. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 666, bitches. (laughs) 
Uh, he, he did a, a sit-down interview type of thing at Terrificon in Connecticut, uh, where he sat with comic writers Nick Spencer and Charles Soule and reporter John Suentris to talk about the publisher's future. Uh, and, uh, there were, there were, there was some sort of question answer session and, um, that's when things got a little weird because at first, you know, he was just talking about normal stuff like, uh, the Fantastic Four being back and, um, you know, what's going on with the X-Men and stuff. But, and what it's like being a Japanese person. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, then an audience member (laughs) asked a question relating to Marvel's history of injecting political and social commentary into their books uh what kind of messages the company wants to tell people today sobolski took a, a pause and then responded in a much more politically savvy way than he had been to the prior question so he said, Marvel has always been, as Stan Lee always said, the world outside our window. It's the reflection of the modern times that we live in. Marvel has never shied away from that around what happened with 9-11 or what we were doing with Secret Empire. And we're going to continue that tradition. There are a couple of things, there are a couple of upcoming issues that are going to reflect things that are going on in the real world. However, one of the things I want to make sure is when we do tell these stories, I don't know how to put this in the right way. They still have to be entertainment. If we want to see the real world, we can turn on CNN. We can turn on the TV. We can pick up a newspaper and see what's going on there. And yes, it's our responsibility as a comic book publisher, especially Marvel, given the history that we have to reflect those times, but they still have to be fun. We can't get too deep into the politics. And the characters can take sides, choose sides, turn evil, turn back to good, but they still have to entertain. That's first and foremost, no matter what real-world events we are going to reflect, they're going to be fictionalized, and they're going to have the classic spin that Stan always brought to them. They will be serious, but they will make you smile. Well, I'm very curious as to what C.B. Sobolski thinks made me smile about seeing Captain America say, Hail Hydra. And I was hey. a fan. I'm a big fan of Secret Empire. Do you guys hear that sound? That's him digging his own grave. <laughs> there are so many things that I find incredible about what he had to say here. Uh, before you guys chime in about Secret Empire, once again, he mentions it as one of their books that was a political commentary. I find that unbelievably funny because as this uh io9 article accurately points out marvel was adamant that secret empire was not political when it first came out (laughs) they repeated that over and over and over again listen sean you just can't understand the complex nuances of this japanese man and his different (laughs) culture <clears throat> yeah, you know, I, this this is just such a um this is such a packaged response, you know? It it, it feels so just like hollow. 
you know, oh, we are, we've always been the marketplace of ideas, or not the market, uh, the world outside your window, right? And like, we're, we've always told stories that were representative of the real world. And like, we're never going to shy away from politics, but we also aren't going to go too deep into politics because things need to be fun and light. And it's like, that's, those are two totally different statements. You know, what you're trying to say is, yes, we're going to talk about serious subjects, but in a way that's fun. And it's like, like you said, what what was fun about Secret Empire? Like nothing. It was a book that was supposed to be, and I didn't read it. Sean, you read it and enjoyed it. But the point was to challenge you, you know, to, to make you feel certain way, to make you think about things in a certain way. And like, <clears throat> there's, you know, there's nothing about that that's like, it's not a fun, lighthearted romp with Captain America, you know? And like, for him to say this is either, you know, representative of a change in direction that he doesn't want to admit, or he's saying this to placate people that don't want them to be political. Right. And either way, that feels like kind of, you know, I don't, I don't want to like sit here and sling shit at the guy or whatever, but it, it, it just feels like very like, uh, you know, insincere. Pete, you're not excited to see how Squirrel Girl tackles the genocide occurring in Myanmar in a fun romp? <laughs> I would read that comic. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I'm reading... Go ahead. Go ahead. Reading between the lines, see what this sounds like to me? This sounds like his attempt of saying, we're going back to meat and potato comics. Right. A, a similar line of commentary that I recall coming from DC uh, when DC Rebirth first started. Yeah. But the way that the, there, there's something wrong with the way that Marvel delivers messages. It, it, it just it just is what it is. They are really bad at talking about their comments. They're bad <laughs> at marketing them. They're bad at talking about them. Everything that goes with them, they're just bad at at this point. Because... <laughs> <laughs> what C.B. Sobolski is saying, like the if you <clears throat> if you ignore the way he said it, what he's actually saying is absolutely right. Like, yes, uh, Civil War was a very heavy political commentary, but it was also a really good comic, and that's what you want. You want your comics to be really good. You want them to be entertaining and enjoyable, but at the same time, uh, when it when it's relevant and when it makes sense. You want to have that biting political commentary, and you want people to think. You want you want that nuance. Uh, so I'm with him on that front, but especially with what's going on in comics right now, uh, socially, it's very hard to hear this message. It, it, it's it comes off as tone deaf, you know, yeah. like that, like. You said he's not communicating it properly. Like, I don't think anybody is arguing that comics shouldn't be entertaining. So that's that they insane. can be so or so that or like to make a comparison to CNN. Like that's 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 so not the point. You know? Excelsior friends here at Marvel Comics. We're here to we're very pleased to introduce our new rollout of a new technology I think you'll all enjoy. For the first time ever on Marvel.com, you can search and look up your favorite comics and characters. <laughs> Introducing <laughs> the search function. 
I, I just You'll be able to search for exactly what social issues you'd like us to not tackle. <laughs> it's just it's just frustrating. Uh especially especially because no you know, no one no one wants to read comic books that are constantly like we talked last week about the issue of Spider Man uh that's coming up where Miles Morales is gonna deal with, you know, a, a school shooting. No one wants to see that in every single comic book, right? I, you know, no one's interested in that. You can do that on occasion, but if every comic was that, people would stop buying them. That's fine. We all understand that. You don't need to come out and say, hey, <clears throat> we're not doing this. You know, we're not going to be the publisher that puts out, you know, uh, PBS special issue, comic book issues every time. We know that already. We, we get it. Just put out good books and shut up. Yeah. But, um, you know what? <clears throat> it's like, it's like the headline to this article should have been, Local Oaf Puts Foot in Mouth. <laughs> that's an effect what he did. Honestly, I'm far more interested in what Akira Yoshida has to say about this <laughs> issue. That would make such a good underground comic series, like the alter ego and alias nature of C.B. Sabolsky and Yoshida. <laughs> He's never in life going to live that shit down. Because, like, if you're, like, a really underground punk indie artist, that's such a good fucking joke to put into your zine. Yeah. Like, I can picture a young Grant Morrison doing something like that. <laughs> I, I want. I wonder if one day, after he retires as editor in chief and maybe, you know, leaves Marvel altogether, if he'll be able to find the fun in that and do <laughs> something of that nature. No, because we're gonna find out eventually that he used to go on role playing forums and play a Japanese guy too. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna find his 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 MySpace double account. <laughs> I just never mind. There's such a rabbit hole there. Like I don't know. Let's not get too political. <laughs> we might as well. Above We're already all, we want to make sure that this podcast is entertaining, guys. Right. <laughs> well, we failed at that. No, this uh, has been really good. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you feel that way. Um, Woo! <laughs> so. This next piece of news is going to color our main topic once we dive into that. Uh, because it just represents where comic books are at right now. And I, and I honestly think that the the prior topic about uh, Kirill, I mean, C.B. Sobolski, uh also does that as well. Because uh, Alterna Comics is an independent publisher who has issued their code of conduct agreement that is new, which expressly forbids creators from using blockchain apps on social media. Uh, you can Anyone can read their, their, their new code of conduct. It's on their company submissions page, which you have to agree to in order to submit content through them. And, uh, Here's a line from this new agreement. 
you are required and encouraged to actively promote your title on social media. We do not condone the use of block bots slash blind blocking slash blockchains or any other kind of program or practice that is used to block thousands of people blindly in mass. Uh... So they go on to say, we have readers of all walks of life and it is paramount to us that we encourage, promote, and stand by our stance that comics are for everyone. So this is unbelievable coming off of what has been a crazy week in Comics Gate News. Uh, And just the fact that over the last couple of years, this whole situation with harassment of comic book creators, especially women and uh, minorities... Uh, has gotten really bad it's gotten really really bad and um, no one should be subject to harassment especially if you have the means of easily blocking it why wouldn't you and why should any publisher have the right to tell you that you can't do so but if you are subject to uh, harassment online uh, they do have a solution for you which is to quote unquote, reach out to us and we'll do everything within our power to work with you on how to handle this situation. Creators from the industry have come out heavily against this new code of conduct. Um, Of course, many of the people who are targeted like Magdalene Visaggio and, um, uh, you know, plenty of plenty of different uh, creators, uh, Christopher Sabella, uh, ha- have have directly come out and said how horrible this is. Lots of the people who have been targeted have, at some point or another, worked for Alterna. So, what do you guys make of this? Um, <clears throat> so I, I can understand the principle behind why you as a publisher would want to implement something like this because at the end of the day uh even negative interactions on twitter are go are raise the potential for there to be people talking about the book uh controversy breeds free advertising right so um i imagine that has something to do with it that being said i think it's ridiculous um i i don't think that uh, I, I don't think that any company that you work for should be able to uh, make rules about how you conduct yourself in your private life uh, with, like, notable exception, right? Like, you know, I think it's one thing if your employer is like, hey, you know, you're tweeting a lot of racist shit or, you know, whatever, and then, like, we're going to fire you, fine. You know, I, I, I don't think that, like... It, how you act on social media isn't separate from real life, you know? So like, I think the idea of holding people accountable for what they say and do online is one thing, but to say you're not allowed to block people, you know, because it impacts our ability to sell your book. I I don't think that's, that's right. You know, um, that, that would be like saying, Hey, if you want to hire us, you need to have a Twitter presence, you know, like, like you hired me to, write a comic or draw a comic, you know? And while it's totally reasonable for you to expect me as your employee to use my social media or, you know, to try and leverage my followers to come buy the book that you paid me to read, that's one thing. Uh, 
it's a totally different one to tell them how they're allowed to interact with people on social media and that they have to subject themselves to harassment to be a part of, of the company. That's ridiculous. It's kind of an indictment on Alterna, huh? Where it's like, well, we're so bad at marketing our books that we need to hire writers gonna, that can pick up the, the slack to help sell these books. Like, if you if you don't have at least 60 followers on Twitter, because that's how low our bar is, uh, we're fucked. Sorry, can't hire you. I chose 60 because it's just comically low. Um... Yeah, no, it's stupid. Um, uh, the idea that a company should uh, hire you based off your social media presence and how you conduct yourself on social media in a maintenance way is silly as heck. It's just downright silly down here in heck. Yeah, because it's like... it, And again, like it's one thing to... Like, social media is a part of life now. You know, and it's like you said, like you're like you look at somebody like um, like uh, that artist, I think it was Hannah Bloomridge, I think was her name, who did that like Peter Parker, like Tumblr comic that ended up getting her a job doing a, 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 a story with Marvel. Right. Like you it's one thing to leverage social media to get yourself a job. It's one thing to leverage social media to sell a book or or whatever. But it's a it's a totally different thing, like you said, to try to hold people to a standard for how they interact with people or to set rules for like, this is how you have to conduct yourself on Twitter if you're going to work with us. And it's like, that's that's not their place to decide. Yes, sir, brother. It's dumb. And, you know, even further coloring their perspective on this issue is that Alterna Comics didn't want to talk about Comicsgate before. They 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 actually refused to do so. Uh or I should say the founder and publisher refused to do so. Um and that doesn't mean that, that that's because they're they love it or they're they're for Comicsgate or anything like that. But when you when you put that alongside this it's just like, come on, man. You know, it's a bad look. Comics are for everyone. You know, that's a great stance. Um, but when you are trying to be so inclusive and you're trying to not offend anyone uh, and, and your creators are at the same time being harassed, you got to draw the line. And who's more valuable to you? The creators or these douchebags that are that are actively harassing them yeah like to me that that like just reeks of you not supporting your artists you know like that you care more about you know what you perceive as a big enough portion of your audience that you're like well whatever we have to just deal with it you know or or you're like saying that like you said right it doesn't mean that they do support that stuff but not uh, not taking a stance again against it and trying to force your creators to engage with it um, doesn't look good, you know. That that's certainly not a uh, that's not a company that I would want to work for in that scenario. Like that's that sucks, 
You know, that's a horrible situation to be put in. If I could, if I could keyword filter my own Twitter, I would just on mass block anyone that mentioned Snyder Cut. <laughs> so you're gonna block Matt Murphy or? Uh, well, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> um, do you think Twitter has a search function though? <laughs> I heard there was a new feature being rolled out in 2019. It's oh. pretty advanced, you know? I'm excited for it. Let's do it. We have to pump the brakes because we have to talk about some serious things. Uh, namely, Comicsgate. Now, we are not afraid to invoke the name of the evil group that has spent the last couple of years harassing comic book creators all over the place. Um, but a lot of other comic book creators and uh, publishers have been afraid of talking about them openly. We just talked about how the founder and publisher of Alterna Comics refused to speak on them. Uh, Marvel and DC have never made a formal statement about Comicsgate at all. And, of course, we just did a news article earlier about C.B. Sobolski saying that they wanted to step away from heavy political commentary, which no doubt has something to do with the criticism that they have received from the right, from these comic skaters, about how heavy their books are uh, political and social, uh, and all the commentary that, that goes into that. That, though, the issue of creators not really coming out and talking about this, is starting to change. Uh, over the last week or so, a lot has gone on with Comicsgate and creators fighting back. And in some ways, it's been really inspiring to see. Uh, we've been talking about this basically since it started. Uh, if you recall, Heather Antos came under heavy fire last summer um, when she For posted enjoying a, ice cream. Yeah, when she posted a picture of herself with. A bunch of other women who work for Marvel. Um, How dare she? After celebrating the life of Flo Steinberg, who had recently passed. Uh, and ever since then, things have gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. So, I'm going to tell you guys how we got to this point. Uh, starting from last week or so, uh, August 21st, in fact. And uh, kind of break it all down, and we'll go from there. So... Uh, a Twitter user posted a clip from an interview that uh, was done starring Darwin Cook, who, of course, is a uh, comic book creator who is well-renowned. And the individual who posted it used the hashtag Comicsgate and was trying to draw the conclusion that Darwin Cook was down with that movement because in the clip he essentially says that he doesn't like... Uh, the big publishers turning a character gay in order to placate uh, certain groups. And, of course, that was taken all the way, and people assumed that he was, you know, a member of Comicsgate as a result. Um, his exact words were, I don't want to see characters who have been straight for 60 years become lesbian overnight because the creators are too stupid to come up with something decent. Those were his exact words. Now, 
his wife took to Twitter, uh, his wife, Marsha Cook, uh, at nicest underscore girl underscore ever without the second E, uh, said in response uh, that what he meant was retroactively changing sexuality for sales promotion. That Cook wasn't saying that he hated uh, gay people or that he was bigoted in any way. He just wanted intelligent creation of new characters to be the way that we introduce more diversity into books, which uh, I have made the argument on this show many times, and that's how I feel as well. I have too. Uh, She added that her husband regretted the ambush interview and that his point was to create new characters, including gay ones. Uh, She actually tweeted out several tweets uh, regarding... What, what I just elaborated on uh, one of them being Dar hated mis- misogyny, homophobia, and racism it shows in his work and I have the whole rest of my life to stand up for him then things get weird because comics gators started to threaten her uh, and began to imply that there was a false flag attack going on and that she had been bribed or coached into making those statements. Now, typically, the term false flag attack is used in association with events in which one government uh, invokes an attack on the part of a, a group and alleges that it was done to... Uh, I'm not explaining this properly. It'd be like if the government infiltrated Antifa and deliberately started violence in order to say that Antifa is a violent group. That's that's sure. That's what a false flag attack is. Uh, so that is what kind of sets the stage for what would go on to happen. Um, because after the attack on Marsha Cook, uh, that's when creators started to come out in her defense. Uh, Tom Taylor sort of led the charge. And he made a Facebook post that uh, has made the rounds all over the place where he outright denounced Comicscape. Uh, following him was uh, Bill Sinkovitz, who penned a very strongly worded uh, letter post, I guess, uh, coming out against Comicscape. So I'll read what he had to say. And then we can stop and kind of comment on this. Two comic skaters, but also to general friends and colleagues in arms, profuse profanity and follow be advised. I'm convinced comics chose me as a practitioner, emissary, evangelist, what have you, rather than the other way around. Uh, he goes on and on. Comics sure as hell didn't choose the so-called comic skate contingent to promote hateful, misogynistic, and plain old ugly dogma. No, these gators, you guys, you brought that ugliness all by yourselves. To be honest, I just don't get your deal. Are you so insecure, so afraid, so fearful of the prospect of bearing the incel moniker or by sharing creative space with someone with more estrogen than you that you're all somehow threatened to your very manhood or your livelihood? How super heroic of you. I'd ask you to explain it to me, but frankly, what I've heard from your quarter already bores me, as well as just plain pisses me off. I fucking despise bullies and cowards. 
what you're each promoting individually is not some divine creative dispensation. It's just you being an asshole. Collectively, you're a gaggle, a clan, potentially with a K unsubtle as that shot may be, a veritable bag's worth of douches. Whatever the name you give for your assembly, (laughs) (laughs) you're not the Avengers. You're still just a bunch of assholes. Comics isn't a boys club. It's not no insert ethnic group, gender, religion, sexual preference here allowed. It's a club, a meeting of a meeting place, a forum for creators of all stripes, like a real life legion of superheroes or a Justice League, only with a pen and ink paper and syntax and and laptops and dot dot dot. Stop being the creepy, racist, misogynist uncles showing up at reunions and pissing in the punch bowl to disprove your beta standing. Stop being the weird cousins the entire world points to as a definition of every comic book nerd stereotype. Or do it far away from us. Stop being whiny, misunderstood victims bitching about favoritism, intolerance, and sexism. You're slinging inky black aspersions, obliviously crying racism in your whiteout. You're damned right some corrections need to be made, starting with the guys in the mirror first. There's more. We can stop there. You get the point. He's pissed. And this is the first time that a comic book creator of his standing, he's a legend in the industry, has come out this aggressively against Comicsgate and named them. Right. Not an illusion. It's like, this is a a very public fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. um, I gotta tell you guys, controversial take here, but, um, alt-right Nazis and so all bad. I don't know if you know this, but they're all bad. They're bad at being human beings. Yeah. Well, That's that goes without saying. So, more than 11. <laughs> uh, Tom Taylor did, as I said earlier, uh, make a tweet that, that went viral. Um, he said, I believe comics are for everyone. There is no, there is no excuse for harassment. There is no place for homophobia, transphobia, racism, or misogyny in comics criticism. Uh, a lot of creators copy and pasted uh, that general point and then tagged on their own kind of uh, addition to it. Uh, Tom King was one of them. Uh Magdalene Visaggio, uh, Kelly Thompson, Jody Hauser, uh, Greg Pak, the list goes on and on of top level creators who, um, you know, had some, some major things to say. Tom King said, comics aren't for everyone. Created by the children of immigrants, it is the medium of the outsider and the outcast, the nerd who won't fit in. We exist, we thrive because we recognize and amplify the voices of those who must struggle mightily to be heard. We say, I'm here. Probably not the best way of putting that, huh? A lot of people have criticized him for what he said. Uh, I think... I get what he meant. People are yeah. looking for a reason to, to be critical at that point. We know what Tom King was trying to say, and I think that his point is well stated. If comic skaters choose to try to take that on as they're called arms, they're the stupid ones for misinterpreting what he meant. You can't argue that 
uh, you can't make the argument that, for example, like the Bible is bad because people misinterpret it. That's on them. The words right. are the words. <clears throat> well, and yeah, I completely agree with that statement, especially given the fact that like personally, right? I don't know Tom King from Adam, but his work, uh, I think, speaks to how he feels about, you know, the issues of, of things like race and, and stuff like that. Like, he, his work speaks more for itself about what his politics are. Um, so, for you to try and, like, twist that sentiment to be something that's bigoted is, I think, a kind of a stretch. Like, if you know anything about Tom King at all, you know? Uh, and I think... <clears throat> what I what I feel, take away from that statement is, you know, that he's talking about us, the collective we, you know, like, and that that is a thing that's devoid of any uh, qualifiers, you know, that like, you know, you're a comics person if you're one of these, if you're a person like this, and that doesn't matter what, what your race or gender or sexual identity or anything is, you know, it's like, are you... Are you, are you an outsider? You know, are you somebody who connected with this medium? Uh, then that's probably, you know, you probably found it that way somehow, you know? Like, that seems to be the the unifying thing among at least most of the comics people that I know, you know? And not necessarily even like a, oh, I was a nerd who was bullied kind of thing. Just that you're somebody who is a little bit more counterculture. Yeah, a Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, I think that one thing that happens a lot within groups of people who are marginalized and who are trying to rise up against oppression of this nature is that they eat each other alive. Uh, and there's no reason for us to do that. We get what Tom King was trying to say. Let's not even waste time trying to, you know argue the point in any yeah. other way all i know? said is you could have phrased it better yeah. yeah and and you're probably right about that but i but there are people who are actively saying yeah. that you know and then that's just silly uh jeff yeah, right. i think the, what you just said phil is like an appropriate way to respond to that of like mm, maybe you could have chosen your words better but to well, like try and unless, attack the guy well, over like, that i mean is, no I, I don't entirely agree with that just because a lot of what you said was based off, oh, if you read a lot of Tom King, you can understand this. If you're someone that doesn't have that context, that remark could be very easily misconstrued, which is what led to a lot of the confusion to begin with. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's, that's language, like... That's what I mean. He could have phrased it better. The reason why there is a lot of controversy, and this isn't just, this isn't just from incel assholes, this is from, you know, normal people in general is because he phrased it in such a way that there was room for misinterpretation. Sure. I don't know, man. Because when, uh, when you say comics aren't for everyone, from the surface, that sounds really uh, exclusionary. Without any context. That's, that's my point. Well, I think the, the, the piece that people actually uh, took umbrage with was the fact that he that what he said about uh the outcast um and the and those of us who struggle mightily to be heard that comics gate could take that on as oh, a I mantra say. that's the part that people have problems with and what i'm saying is we know 
who what yeah, people yeah, yeah. Tom King are, is talking about when he says that. Got it. I got we, you. Yeah, we know what Tom King's about. Um, it's but, PTSD. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, Jeff Lemire also came out and said, "Comics Gate." He used he used that in his tweet. He said, "Comics Gate is based on fear, intolerance, bigotry, and anger." The comics creators emerging today are too talented. Sorry. Too talented, too smart, and too loud to be beaten by these weak people. It's time we all started standing up for one another. Another great tweet. Uh, and, and and on and on, right? Like, we understand. Uh, the most interesting one, maybe surprise to some, was Howard Chaykin. He did write a, a long Facebook post um, that, that, that comes out in solidarity against Comicsgate. That surprises people because he did do the United States of Hysteria comic that people claim was transphobic and racist and, you know, everything else. Um, And uh, I'll just read a little bit from him. To my profound dismay, I gather that there are quite a few people out there in the Twitterverse who, for reasons that sadden me, are under the perverse and ridiculous impression that I am, among other things, a misogynist, a racist, a transphobe. It would be lovely if those friends of mine who have the ear of such people would hip them to the facts in some way on a, on as simple a level as outright pragmatism, pragmatism, I'm sorry. They're denying themselves an ally of extraordinary value. This I do affirm. And as for those embracing the exclusionary nativist philosophy of Comicsgate, it won't be necessary to let them know any of the above since I've always regarded being referred to as a left wing uh, F word. I'm not going to say that on this show by some typically anonymous wag of that particular cohort as a badge of genuine honor. Trust me on this. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I, I like what he said. I like what he said. I like what he said too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you guys feel about this wave of top level creators coming out? Finally using the phrase comics gate, finally attacking back. How do you guys feel about that? Good. Yeah, um, it's a it's about time, frankly. You know, I, I wouldn't say that it's like a, a too little, too late situation. I'm surprised it took this long, I guess. It's um, been a year. Right. Like it's it, this has been a long running thing at this point, and uh to finally see you know, a huge wave of these people come out and make their stance clear is, um, I think, really valuable. And I think the situation is probably going to get a lot worse before it gets better. But, you know, my hope is, uh, you know, we see more, um, I don't know, I I guess we just, I, I hope that we see more people with this level of clout step up. And and continue to shut the shit down, you know, because the quicker that we can force these rats back in their hole, uh, the better. And I I use that analogy um, begrudgingly because rats are actually super cute and sweet and, uh, <laughs> you know, um, only sometimes are carriers of disease, whereas these guys are almost assuredly carriers of disease. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so. I've said it before and I've said it, I'll say it again. Uh, and I've taken heat in our YouTube comments for saying shit like this, but these people can go fuck themselves. There is no place for you here, uh, or dominating the conversation around any other art form. 
Um, art is for everybody. Comics are for everybody. And, you know, I, I just, I have no, uh, just, there's, there's no room for this kind of attitude around especially around this medium that is so dominated by stories of heroes and uh and and taking the high road and acts of heroism and putting aside yourself for the greater good and all those things um and to try and twist and perverse those those characters and those messages into a thing that are only for white straight males is uh hilariously tone deaf and 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 ignorant of the history of comics, okay? Like especially when you have, you know, like you said, Phil, a lot of these like very like alt right, you know, racist kind of people with this mentality. Do you know how many of your favorite characters were created by Jews? You know, it's like, <laughs> like what I, you know, it's just you the amount of mental gymnastics that you have to do to. Uh, land on that side of the history uh, on that on that side of history in regards to this argument are are astounding to me yeah you know we live in this very post-truth kind of culture right now where facts and history are of no consequence to people that are kind of sitting that far right fence and they try to make it a politicized issue as if it's like oh it's just your opinion one side or the other but, like, you look at the things that are just coming out this week in culture. You have Donald Trump at a rally saying um, the left wants to dismantle Medicare for socialism. And it's like, bro, Medicare is socialism. <laughs> or you have someone like Tucker Carlson coming out and he, like, very aptly points out all these uh, exploitations in labor right now whether you're Amazon or Walmart or what have you and that these companies are exploiting their workers and then he goes on to say exploitation and uh, of corporations is a pillar of the left and it's like what? It's, it's this weird mental gymnastics that's going on in culture and if you're a person that sits in the far right and you can try to make this a politicized issue where it's like well I guess it's just your opinion that ethno-nationalism isn't a good thing. It's like, no, dude, this was something we figured out in the 20th century, which ended only 20 years ago. Like, we fought an entire global conflict that killed more people in, in seven years than any other conflict in human history over how fucking terrible ethno-nationalism is. But you have these assholes now who are trying to make it seem like, well, it's a partisan topic. No, this is a fringe-ass thing. Get the fuck away from art. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I completely agree with you. And, uh, comic book creators have definitely now come out and, and basically reiterated what you just said. Um, to the point that Richard... Uh, Mayers, who is the guy behind all of this, he's diversity in comics on Twitter. Um, he, you know, he's he's the ringleader of all this crap. Uh, he uh, he put up a stream, and during the stream, he sounded very bummed out about this development, and talks about how he had, he had to quit Twitter, 
and how it's very hurtful for him that he's being attacked by comic book creators who he's looked up to his whole life. Dave Gibbons, the artist from Watchmen, came out in support of of um, of this new movement against Comicsgate. Uh, obviously, uh, we talked about Bill Sinkovitz, who, who who is a huge um, uh, creator, and and I'm sure Richard grew up a fan of as well. Um, and so now he's he's crying tears about <laughs> shockingly uh, crying tears about being harassed. Boo, fucking. Who feels bad, man? Yeah, I'm playing a song for you on the world's smallest violin, you piece of fucking human garbage. Don't quote, don't quote Pepe, the fucking reappropriate alt right mascot. I'm not. That's no, a no, no. Quote? Sean did because he said feels oh, bad, man. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 very appropriate. This is a feels bad man moment, right? <laughs> Yeah. Even the owner of that character that, that that character Pepe was like, "Oh fuck, why would you guys take it away?" Dude, he's literally been fighting legal battles yeah. uh like left and right and and fucking up people's day about it. So, God bless him. Um we, yeah, you, we don't want Nazis. That's like it. Like period, we just don't want them. I hope this, like, finds its way on the back of a book jacket one day of, like, some book about me where it's like, Phil once said, we don't want Nazis. We don't. Go away. <laughs> because you could take that to the grave. I could take that to the grave with me. Put it on my tombstone. If there's one thing I hate more than anything in the world, it's damn fascists. I agree. Um, and, uh... This guy is a joke, and so is Ethan Van Skyver, and so are all these other people who, you know, who who won't outright, if you won't outright denounce this, if you, if there's a shred of you that is down for this, then you are trash. Because here's the thing, what they're doing is not comic book criticism, it is not critique on the way that comic books are published on the content of comics, nothing like that. Because critique is constructive. Critique is thoughtful. Critique is thought-provoking. Critique doesn't involve harassing people on Twitter. It doesn't involve hate speech. Um, there's nothing to learn from this, from the things that they say, other than that they suck. The individuals who are involved with this. But, I have to be really honest on this podcast. That's what I'm here to do. I've got a big problem with the way that this is all rolled out as it relates to the creators who have come out and said that they're not for Comicscape. I've got a big problem. My big problem is that it took for Darwin Cook, his wife, to be under attack for these guys are all white and all straight to realize that we've got a problem on our hands. This has been happening for a year. And Roxanne Gay was a target. Heather Antos was a target. The list goes on and on and on and on. Christopher Sabella, Magdalene Visaggio. What do those people have in common? They're women. They're not straight. They're not white. 
and it was okay. Darwin Cook is a legend in the comic book industry, and these creators weren't going to stand for attacks against his wife, and that's fantastic, but they should not have stood for the attacks against anybody else who was a part of this culture to begin with, because yep. those people deserve to be stood up for as well. And the voices of Tom King, of Jeff Lemire, of Tom Taylor, of Scott Snyder ring out more than the voices of Christopher Sabella or Roxanne Gay or Magdalene who put themselves on the line to stand up against something that they knew was wrong. Yeah. Because they were being attacked. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, you're totally right, man. And that was the, the first thing I said when you asked for our reactions, right? I was like, it's it's long overdue. And it's a shame that it took this long for the reaction to come. Uh, and, and it's, um, you know, I'm glad it finally happened, but I think your criticism of them is right. And, and it's, it's totally fair. And it, it like, it, I think it seems to me that a lot of these people were just hoping that it would blow over, you know, that it would go away and I cannot say anything and not make myself or my family or whoever the target of these fucking assholes and eventually we'll go back to business as usual. I think there's I think there's financial motivation behind not saying anything I as think, well. I think you're right. That's true. And I think that people like uh Scott Snyder and Tom King, who I'm I love them both as creators, I think that they probably felt like they needed to watch their mouths. And that's bullshit. Because at the end of the day, comic books is a it's a medium that has always been about putting aside hate and pushing against hate vehemently to include and be a place where people of all backgrounds can come together and enjoy something and and feel safe and good and there's nothing wrong with wanting to feel those ways and for this virus to have been allowed in and allowed to fester by the very people who are now saying that they're against it a year later is bullshit. Because you can only root this kind of thing out if everybody from the top down says it's not okay. And now Richard Mayers is running scared. And now he quit Twitter. And now he's crying. But it's only because the people that he looked up to for 30 years are saying that he's a piece of shit. But it didn't matter before because he didn't care about those people that were saying it before. Imagine, and that was a wonderful addition to Sean's soapbox, by the way. Um, yeah, I'm always happy to provide those. Of course, it doesn't come every episode, but when it does, it's a damn gem. Um... Just imagine getting dunked on by your heroes left and right for a while. It's just the worst life. And I hope this says something to him. I genuinely do. I hope this says, like, boy, you know what? Everyone I really liked hates me. Whereas most of us, the people we look up to, just were not even a blip on their radar just because of how that shit works. This guy is more than a blip on their radar for all the wrong reasons. I genuinely hope this guy fucking has a face turn in life. I mean, hey, man, 
I would love to see that happen, and I I'm not really one to uh, brand people with the Scarlet Letter, but um, the problem is that there are so many people, unfortunately, who are willing to put their money where their mouths are and continue to support him and Ethan and uh, whoever else. I yeah, mean, creators Ethan, like them. Yeah, Ethan Van Skyver's got a friggin' uh, uh, crowdfunding situation going on for a book that he's publishing that's doing phenomenally well he made five hundred thousand dollars for an indiegogo campaign for a comic book that's a lot of money and you gotta imagine a lot of those people are not doing that because they're actually interested in that book yeah i mean the reality is most of these um far-right delusional people um they say over there yep and uh Mitch Brettweiser, who is married to Elizabeth Brettweiser, who I'm a big fan of, uh, he's involved with this too. And he's got a Kickstarter for a book that is called Red Rooster, that, or I should say Indiegogo, um, that's doing phenomenally well. Because he wants to bring comic books back to where they were uh, before. And I wonder what that means. You know, they, him and his wife haven't outright come out and said what they're about, but we know what they're about. And and this uh, genius goes on Twitter and says, uh, she says, due to concerns over our personal safety, uh, Mitch and I have canceled our upcoming appearance at Lakes International Comic, Comic Art Festival. Oh, so you feel unsafe going into an environment where people don't like you because of what you have said that has, or what you have associated with that's been harmful to others. How the hell do you think everybody else feels? Well, imagine imagine being afraid to go somewhere because of factors you can't control versus factors right. you can't control. And that's what it comes down to. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> the, 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 the best thing about this situation is that when I see, you know, uh, when I, when I see the news that there's the live stream with these, you know, tears of woe is me, or we're canceling these things because we're afraid for our safety. You know what? Uh, actions have consequences, my friends. And, you know, I'm not one to believe in, in karma or anything like that. That's, it's not how I how I am, but uh, this is it's poetic, you know. You're now dealing with the same things that you did, or that you perpetuated, or that you fed into for other people to be harassed and attacked and afraid. So guess what? Sucks to be you now, and you made this bed. You made this filthy bed. Now it's your turn to lie in it, and I have. I don't have a shred of fucking sympathy for you. Yeah, I mean, this is just further proof that when the Nazis come out from under the rocks and feel vindicated and validated to spew their venomous rhetoric, it's everyone else's responsibility to put them back under the rock. And, like, people like this can't be allowed to assemble and persuade. Like, it's the public's responsibility to just fucking put them back under a rock. You know, and it, yeah, it, it's just, uh, 
it's just crazy to me that we've let it get this far, you know, like that, it, that it's become a thing, like you said, where there's like a, uh, a legitimization of these very radical viewpoints and um, trying to make it a, oh, well, it's just your opinion. It's politics. It's 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 not that's, like that's, this is this is not that that's remarkable. There's a big difference. There's a big difference between being conservative and being a fucking Nazi or a fascist or whatever you want to call them. Uh, and you know, there, there's just, there's no place for that in this country or anywhere in the world. But you know, uh, <laughs> this is, uh, it, it's, it's representative of the time that we're in right now. This is, this is the, the new culture war. This is what we're dealing with. And, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, these creators that we admire included have been slow to react, have been slow to change, have, you know, um, wanted to ignore it or sweep it under the rug or sidestep it or just not get involved and keep their hands clean. But I think trying to keep your hands clean makes your hands pretty dirty. Or if you're C.C. Sapolsky, you talk about uh, writing non-political books. Let's make fun non-political com. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. And, you know, there's just, to me, the best thing that we can do as fans of this medium is to just shine a light on this shit. Is when you see this shit, call it out. When you hear someone say something like this, call it out. And at the very least, you know, starting from within our community of of fans of comic books, of, of uh, appreciators of this medium, you know, hopefully we can you know, kind of take that power back uh, and, and and show these people that there isn't space for them, that we're not going to allow them to to congregate and uh, and try to attack people. I want to end this <clears throat> topic by uh, reiterating the words from Tom King because I do think that they ring out and they ring true. Uh, comics aren't for everyone. Created by the children of immigrants, it is the medium of the outsider and the outcast, the nerd who won't fit in. We exist, we thrive because we recognize and amplify the voices of those who must struggle mightily to be heard. We say, I'm here. Now, what I'd love for us to do is because this has been a, a pretty negative topic and I'm personally feeling very bad about this whole situation, I thought we might take just a couple of minutes and just share one example of how comic books, not necessarily reading the books themselves, but just the culture, the community, the fandom, have actually enriched your life. Just one example, one quick nod, so that we can exit this topic on a good note. I mean, uh, this might seem like a bit of a cop-out, but for me, it's it's been this this show, this program, um, and, and getting to know... Uh, more and more people um, outside of my own sphere that have a love and appreciation for comics as well. You know, I think like something that I love about this show is I think we often have thoughtful discussion um, from people that have had different experiences and come from different walks of life. And I feel like the fact that we all come together over our mutual love and admiration for this medium and have, uh, you know, 
uh, conversations based in uh, respect and in friendship and in just like appreciation um, for for art is has been the most enriching thing that comics have ever done for my life. Uh, by a wide margin, you know, I think I've learned a lot about myself and about other people um, through comics and not just through reading them through meeting other people like me that had a different experience than I did, you know, and were able to uh, meet in the, you know, meet in the middle somewhere and and find common ground, you know, through art and through um, through the experiences we have had that are the same, you know, and I think that's beautiful. That's the power of art and that's the power of, of this medium, you know, is the ability to connect people and, um, and find commonality, you know? Well, Pete, I was originally just going to say, man, I love the, the cover of Captain America number one from 1941 where Captain America punches Hitler, but you had to make a much more eloquent and sweet comment about how comic books have enriched your life. So... Uh, on a different note, that's what I do. I think of the content, uh, just like the the character that has made the biggest impression on me in in both uh, adolescence and adulthood, is Superman, and this is the character that, um, you know, embodies multiculturalism. It's an alien coming here and trying to integrate with human beings of all different walks of life. This is a character whose entire ideology is trying to improve humanity and the world. And trying to just get along with other people. Justice League as a book is about people of all kinds of different backgrounds and, and perspectives trying to work together to defend and improve the entire planet. And Superman's the for he's the center of that. Superman's the entire icon of what the comic book industry is and is supposed to be. Um whether or not he's popular as other characters is in with no consequence. The point is the character is an emblem of an art form that is all about inclusion and and being a better person. So uh, for me, uh, it's real simple. When I was young, I was very struggling, very much struggling with social anxiety. Didn't get out much. Didn't have ton of friends and comic books were uh really an outlet for me um creatively and uh i i very 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 much looked forward to every single wednesday when i would get new comics but uh it was a very isolated insular experience because i had no one to share it with the friends that i did have weren't into comics at that time so it was really just me um and i'll never forget <clears throat> I'll never forget going to Comic Con the very, very, very first time and uh, seeing how many people were just as impacted by comics as I was. And that it didn't matter that I was black, it didn't matter, you know, all the problems that I was going through. Um, it, well, none of that was a factor. The only thing that mattered was that everybody loved comics. And, uh, that's a feeling that I think is how, is what comics are supposed to be about. It's not supposed to be about who you are uh, and the factors that you can't control. It's supposed to be about the love of the medium and the things about it that have en enriched and influenced us 
uh, our entire lives. And that's the point that gets missed by the other side. Is that it's not about exclusion. And it's never been about exclusion. And I'm never happier than when I'm at Comic Con. And there's a reason for that. And everybody's supposed to feel okay there. Not just a select group of people. And that's the reason why this is all so horrible. Well, and it, it's so horrible that anyone would want to take that away from anybody. These are the people that put us in hell. We're just trying to get out. <laughs> so, uh, as always, we're very interested in hearing what you guys have to say on this issue. Um, I'm, you know, if you come out on the other side and you're able to have a decent dialogue, I can surely engage in that with you. Um, I've done it before. I can do it again. But again, it's got to be decent. Um, and if you have a story you'd like to share about your experiences with comics and how uh, they've enriched your life and why you think Comics Gate threatens to uh, eliminate your ability to enjoy comics the way you always have, then we absolutely want to hear from you. Uh, we are on all podcast, podcast hosting platforms. We are all over social media at the Comics Pals. You can write to us directly, which is the greatest way to let us know your thoughts by hitting us up at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Uh, where you can write in with uh, buy or sell a random question or your thoughts on this or any other episode of the show. And uh, last but not least, we're on YouTube where you can uh, like this video, uh, drop us a comment, share with your friends, and subscribe to our channel. It's free to do. Helps us out a lot more than it costs you. And make sure you hit that notification button to always be made aware of when our content drops. Pete, plugs. Cool. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on another episode of the Comics Pals. If you want to talk to me, you can hit me up at loud underscore Pete on Twitter or Instagram and uh, keep up with all the stuff I've got going on or check out some very cute pictures of my cat Pepper. Uh, if you want to get some more content from me, you can catch me on our sister show, The Video Game Pals, along with Sean, where we have uh, very similar kinds of discussions all about the world of video games. So if you're a fan of gaming, uh, you can go check that out. Um, also check out our weekly Let's Play show Monday through Thursday over on YouTube.com slash Comics Pals called Pals Play. I'm on that. Uh, and then I also am a member of uh, a uh, website called LootPots.com. I've been doing some uh, Nintendo news and reviews for them uh, over the last couple weeks. And I just put out my first review uh, of the indie game Shio. So if you want to go uh, show your support, you can go check that out at LootPots.com or just go to my Twitter. I, you know, always sharing the stuff I'm doing over there. So that's the easiest way to keep up. Phil? Well, you can always find me on the social media platforms as CyborgBebop. And as for my good friends Marco and Kale, I'll let them tell you where you can find them. We are the composite Marco-Kale hybrid. Our life is misery. We live in constant hell. You can find us at Mr. Totomoto on social media. <laughs> Be sure to write to us about how much you love Perkins and Swamp Thing. Kill us! Boy. I could not imagine those two sharing one brain and body, but here we are.
Wow. Uh, <laughs> how do you think Jess and Mari feel about that whole situation? Mostly good. Awesome. Sean? <laughs> I am on Twitter and Instagram, at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk about uh, not this, because this is depressing. Yes. And with that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week for a less depressing show. This podcast kills fascists.